Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Ajar and Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. I just want to say two things, then I'm going to go celebrate with the guys. I want to thank these shadows in Atlanta. They helped me out a good bit. That's pretty awesome. And I want to thank Rob Manfred for making these seven inning games. I would assume that's Madison Bumgarner. Yep. Mad Bum, as they call him. <laughs> uh, Is that his real... Twitter handle? <laughs> yeah, uh, probably. That'd be cool. I, I think, did you see this? Seven inning game, no hitter, but it does not count in Major League Baseball as a no hitter. Yeah, because baseball is nine innings. Okay, but the game was scheduled for seven innings. It's not like it got shortened to seven innings. Okay. It was scheduled for seven innings. I don't understand why in the record books they can't put no hitter and in parentheses put, like, seven innings. Yeah. Like, I, I again, it's not like they – it's a difference if a game gets rained out and is official after five innings or six innings. You know, because that happens sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then you threw a no hitter. Well, the game never really went regulation. I understand that. But this is a game nowadays, now that we're doing, they've changed this to be an official game with a doubleheader, and he throws a no-hitter. Like, I don't understand why that's not a no-hitter. I, I don't get it. I, I think it should be a no-hitter. You don't, you don't seem too bothered by it. I guess you think it should have to go nine. Uh, no, I mean, I think, listen, if the worst comes to worst, put an asterisk next to it and let's, you know, go on with our lives here. But the fact that he doesn't get any kind of recognition, I think, yeah, it's a little messed up and everything, but... I mean, he's he's had one before, right? Uh, I think he has had one before. That's a good yeah. question. Um, I think he has. Yeah. The, the and by the way, the Braves had like one hit in two games, mm. fourteen mm, innings. Mm, mm, mm. And by the way, they got credit for one hit in two games, even though there were seven innings. <laughs> <laughs> Which is kind of funny when you think about that. Yeah. You, you can't have it both ways, man. You cannot have it both ways. <laughs> Should. So here's what I said. I was thinking about this a lot uh, last night or this morning or whenever I tweeted this out. But I said, so why does – so the guy who makes the last out now in extra innings, this Texas tiebreaker kind of rule. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in the 10th inning, the last out goes to – I saw this because Fernando Tatis Jr. in that uh, – which has just been an unbelievable series uh, for two weeks now, Dodgers and Padres. But So he goes out to second base because he made the last out the inning prior. Mm-hmm. Well – he scores, it goes in his stats that he gets a run. Mm-hmm. Even though he did nothing to get on second base. Like, that to me seems more asinine than it does to get credit for a no-hitter that goes seven innings. Oof. Yeah, I mean, I think both of them should be counted. Because that would, I think it's, I don't know. It's kind of like the, I don't know how to play this. Because you could say in the NHL, like, let's say, that you're playing overtime, sudden death, because don't they take a player away? Maybe I'm wrong. Okay, so let's say it like this. This would be like if you count in a shootout, like that's a goal for you if you score. Like that, that's not how it should be, right? You know what I'm saying? Where like the, the shootout rules where, you know, there's like six skaters in each team and it's just, you know, it's a breakaway and then whoever scores the most goals wins. That would be like counting that as a goal towards your your record on the year. I don't think they count that, obviously. Now they do it in intermittent. Like they do it like in the regular time, but not in sudden death like that in a shootout. So I don't know, Brent. Like I think they should count both of them. That's that, that's where I stand on it. Because like yeah. that's the rule now. 
You know, like that's the that's the new ingrained rule. Then so be it. I think they should count both of them. Well, it's an interesting. You know, I've said this plenty of times uh, on the show, and I. I, I've kind of just put it out there. If they want to change all these things about baseball, I still think seven innings could be a way to go in baseball if, if you wanted to. I know it's a little bit outrageous. And, and the reason why it won't happen is because they don't want to change the record books and they don't want to upset the record books. And that would change 100 years of history of, of baseball. Like, I understand the argument. But if you're going to change things around it, to be seven innings and double headers, and that's going to be a rule last year and this year. Well, that's kind of the way it is. I mean, that's 154 to 162, you know, in terms of the games played when that changed. Uh, DH to no DH. And, by the way, that's going to change. I mean, there's just things that are going to change. And, therefore, some of the the records and numbers uh, that are so closely guarded in Major League Baseball have the chance to change. I mean, I just think it's it's okay if it's noted. Mm -hmm. I have no problem with it being noted. I, I just think the guy was asked, hey, this game's going to be seven innings today. He went out and shut him out and threw and didn't allow a hit. It's a no hitter. Like, I don't know. I don't know what else. What else you want out of that if you're Major League Baseball? So I thought it was pretty peculiar. Um, by the way, baseball. I, I'll say this one more time. I said it last week, and and I believe it. I mean, look, Fernando Tatis, man, he's the guy. He hit he hit five home runs this weekend against the Dodgers. He that series is is awesome. And by, who cares? Who pays attention to West Coast baseball in April? Mm-hmm. Nobody. But they're paying attention to it. We, Well, I think a lot of people are. And baseball's just been really good in April. I mean, really good. You, it, it is. Uh, there are a lot of good things happening. One more thing I have to ask you about. Did you see Trevor Bauer? And by the way, Kuz, I should have brought you this sound. I forgot to. I wanted to do that. But did you see Trevor Bauer and, and, the, and the trots around the bases and uh, by Fernando Tatis Jr.? Uh, uh, and that inner inner uh, exchange. I saw I saw the highlights of it. Yes. Yeah, it was during the whole UFC stuff. So yeah, probably yeah, yeah. Busy with that, but it was very interesting. Like he last time out or in spring training. Quick story. Bauer like allegedly he kind of he did he pitched like oh, with one eye. Clip. Yeah, we we actually talked about this for a little yeah. bit. Yeah. And so Tatis hits a home run and he trots around the bases in between first and second. He looks at the dugout and he kind of does this one eye thing, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and and he has some fun trotting around the bases. Ends up on the second one off Bauer, does the McGregor walk, which yep. is something that Bauer will do. And I just thought the response from Bauer was so good. And when asked about it, and, and Kuz, Kuz got oh that was quick Kuz, you're really good back from vacation and honeymoon and and, and all this. Uh, check it out what Bauer said because I think it was fascinating how he approached it. I want to say something about that because I think it's important. Um, you know, he did it in the first. I didn't see it because I was paying attention to doing my job. And then he did it again when he homered off me again later in the game. Their dugout was doing it. Um, and I, I like it. I, I think that pitchers who have that done to them and react by throwing at people or, you know, getting upset and hitting people or whatever, I think, uh, I think it's pretty soft. Um, if you give up a homer, a guy should celebrate it. You know, he, it's hard to hit in the big leagues. Uh, so I'm all for it. And I think it's, it's important that, you know, the game moves in that direction and we stop throwing at people because they celebrated having some success on the field. Uh, another one of those moments today, I got, uh, Hosmer on a, a curveball in the dirt and, hit him with a sword celebration and the next at bat he hit a curveball at my face and gave me the sword celebration at first and we kind of laughed about it and we've got a little history together we played against each other for many years and 
that's what it, that's what it is to be a competitor. You know, like I'm going to go at you and I'm going to get you sometimes. And then you're, you're going to get me sometimes. So we can have fun and we can celebrate it while we're still competing at the highest level. And uh, I just thought that was an important note tonight. Yeah. So that's Trevor Bauer after the game. What a great opportunity he just took to, to really change kind of the thought process of the way we look at baseball. Yeah. And, and listen, I've always said this, man, and, and people right now are probably like, well, what's that big deal? Why is that a big deal? Because if you had those trots and those motions and all those things happening 10 years ago in baseball, just 10 years ago, maybe five years ago, and definitely 20 years ago and 30 years ago, we're talking about an all-out brawl on the field at some point, whether it's yesterday's game or down the road, because these guys play each other 19 times. That is instilled in us as baseball fans. If you're a purist from the baseball sense, I even still, Austin, if I'm being completely honest, I look at Tatis and I have to check myself. I'm like, oh, my gosh, someone's going to get one in the ear hole. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what my first reaction to that is, is to say that. And then I'm like, nah, man, this is fun now. Like, this is the way it is. But for Bauer to say that and his reaction to be that way, I think will help change kind of the way the younger generation looks at it. Because the problem is, even when I played ball, if you, when you saw that at the major league level, that trickled down. I got in a brawl in high school and in college because that mentality trickles down to those levels. And so I think it's so big that, that Bauer said that and helps change the game. I think we've gone in that direction quickly, way more quick than I thought we would anyway with the bat flips and, this, and just having fun with it. And, and I think it's been adapted relatively quickly to begin with. But I think words like that from Bauer, a guy that it happened to him, to be able to, in that moment, hours after the game, say that, or minutes after the game, I think does a whole lot for baseball. This is the way it is now. This is the new age. It's not your daddy's baseball anymore. But, you know, for sure. And and it's great that baseball is finally starting to take note um, and join the, the ranks of other professional sports. When we talk about football, right, where if a quarterback throws an interception, that's for a touchdown, that cornerback or that linebacker, heaven forbid it's a defensive lineman that gets that touchdown, they're going to celebrate. Like, they're, 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 they're going to, you know, because it's a rare occurrence once, you know, obviously, but also it's a time to celebrate. The, the, the game's still about having fun. Now, I don't see that quarterback go out there and try to, like, tackle somebody after the play in the end zone because, number one, they get, you know, beat up, obviously, because they're the quarterback. But, number two, they understand it. It's like they made the mistake. Now they suffer the consequences. The same thing with being a pitcher, where if you throw a bad ball and it's a home run, well, then that's that's what you signed up for, all right? You're the pitcher. That falls on you. Deal with it. And it's cool that Trevor Bauer, you know, who's obviously uh, – I, I don't know if he's really respected in terms of his personality sometimes, but I think he's obviously a higher-ranked pitcher. He's one of the best pitchers in baseball. When a guy like that comes out and speaks his piece, that helps the whole game out. Because now it's like if you're a if you're a you know maybe like a third or fourth guy in the rotation who's not as storied as Trevor Bauer is, and you get ticked off, it's like well look what Trevor Bauer is doing, he doesn't care. So like what do I have the right to care about? Like I haven't earned my stripes yet. Bauer's not caring about it, then why should I? And that's only going to help the game of baseball. Now if, if you should be offended though from Tatis, it should be that attempt of the Conor McGregor money walk because the legs <laughs> were far too close for that to pass as the Conor McGregor strut. Like, that wasn't even close. Like, if you're going to do it, Tatis, commit to it, please. You're on the cover of Major League Baseball, the show. Let's see it, man. Come on. 
and commit to it. Commit. I like it. Uh, yeah. I think, hey, Trevor Bauer is one of the biggest names in the game. For him to do that, I think exactly what you just said. I think it was a big moment uh, for Major League Baseball, and it's been a huge month for them. We don't talk a lot of baseball on the show. Uh, those are some topics that are, are worth talking about. It's been a huge April. Now let's just hope the rest of the baseball season delivers, uh, if you really like big league baseball shrimp season by the way right around the corner we are your home for jacksonville jumbo shrimp baseball more than 90 games it all starts may 4th right here on espn 690 hey do you see the san francisco kyle shanahan had a news conference today boy i tell you still a lot of back and forth now on what they're going to do not a lot of commitment to jimmy garoppolo this came out during our show austin so Mm -hmm. uh the 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 one thing that he has a quote, if you are expecting him or you're going to put some dollars on Kyle Pitts being the guy just out, of, you know, because it's a long shot, might not want to do that because he gave a quote, said, we're going up to get our starting quarterback of the future. Yeah. <laughs> it's essentially what he said. Yeah. Uh, but Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco right now, I thought Carolina in the whole draft process was the most interesting team. But now it's no doubt. San Francisco is the most interesting team, not because they don't know what they're doing, but because we obviously have no clue what they're doing. No, for sure. Right. And I don't know. We've been over this a little bit where does it pay for San Francisco to be this canned? And once again, despite what you think, I think this is all a smokescreen. I think they know exactly who they're going to take. But then it begs the question, well, why so much secrecy? Why so much of just this, you know, it's like, well, we don't know. We still got like. To me, that does you nothing because you're picking number three. You're not going to trade that pick away all of a sudden. So you know who you're going to take. So it doesn't really affect the draft order or it doesn't affect anybody's teams in terms of, you know, who they're going to take. If you say, hey, we're going to take Trey Lance or, hey, we're going to take Mac Jones. Like, I don't know. It's just it's a it's a weird ordeal. Um, I'll be honest. I'm, I'm sure it's exciting to be in San Fran media right now. I can't imagine what they're talking about. But it's just I still get the vibe, whether it's with Jimmy Garoppolo, whether, you know, they're going to bring in Trey Lance, Matt Jones, there is a plan in place. And if there isn't, if and I'm the owner of that franchise, that organization, I get, you know, that they've had some success. But I'm taking a long, hard look then at Lynch and Shanahan and saying, guys, what is the plan here? Because we are, whatever, a couple days away from the draft right now, and we're still not sure. Even with Jimmy Garoppolo, our starting quarterback, who I invested so much money on, and we don't know what we're going to do yet? Come on, man. Yeah, I don't believe it for a second. I think they know exactly uh, what they're doing. I think they're going Trey Lance. I think you think they're going Trey Lance. We'll see what happens with Mac Jones uh, and the other quarterbacks. uh, In in a moment, I'm going to ask you, what do you think will be the surprise of the top ten? Give me a surprise prediction of the top ten. I'm putting you on the spot a little bit. But right now, let's get to the Florida Sportsman Fishing Report with Rick Riles. Speaking of a sport that has a little secrecy attached to it, don't ever tell anybody that fishing hole that works so well, right? I know nothing of what you speak. We never never lie to each other. That'll that'll never happen. But i got to ask you two guys something. Will there be any two guys in Jacksonville happier on Friday than you two. I mean, come on. If, is there any words you could possibly say about drafting Trevor Lawrence you haven't said yet? Yeah, probably not. Uh, choir, it is, uh, it's, it's, it's been a – well, here's the thing. It's kind of part of what we do, but also it is unique in the sense that we've been able to pump this up for this long with the knowing nature of it. You know, it's very unusual you know exactly who the team's taking. Like, that might never happen again in the history of the franchise. 
Yeah, it's kind of like a friend of mine one time that said, I want to go to the Gulf Stream with you. And I said, okay. He said, but I don't want to go when you think it's going to be good or it might be. He said, I want to go when you know good and well the fish are going to bite. You know, I think he's still waiting on that phone call, Brent. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we got I'm, a good week I'm of fishing, thinking, don't we? Uh, yeah, I'm 68 years old, and I haven't hit that hit that day yet that I knew good and well they were going to bite. I tell you, it's it's been a crazy spring, and it just keeps on getting crazier. The mahi that showed up real strong about a week ago have faded back off again, and guys can't seem to find them. The ocean's rough. It's tough for the little boats to get out to the Gulf Stream, but the big boats have done it. I tell you what has been good when you can get to them is the cobia. There are cobia on the beach. There are cobia on the inshore wrecks. Now, let me give you a piece of advice. For whatever reason, they don't seem to be coming to the surface where you can spot them until after about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. The guys fishing late in the day have done much better on them. Redfish have bit very well all throughout the, all these weather changes. They bit through the rain. They didn't care. They bit through the wind. Captain David Borey's another strong day today. And there are plenty of Spanish mackerel in our inlets right now, particularly St. Augustine and Jacksonville. The biggest surprise for us over the last few years has been the number of quality flounder. We, we always catch a lot of flounder in the spring, but they're usually 14, 15 inches long and weigh a couple of pounds. I've seen several four to five, even six-pound flounder, which is a real good sign for the spring. I think the ocean's going to be closed for the small boats until probably Friday. The bigger boats will go right on. But they can come back and tell us where the mahi have gone to. We should have them dialed in by next weekend. But there's one thing you can count on. We'll be back to check on it again tomorrow with another fishing report brought to you by Workman's Quick Fix Plumbing. Have a great night, Rick. Appreciate it, man. Thank you, Brent. That's Florida Sportsman Fishing Report with Rick Riles. Of course, catch it every day here at Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690 at 515. All right, Austin Lane, we're live at Willie Jules Old School Barbecue. Trivia crowd is kind of piling in here. Uh, happens at 630 every Monday night. So yeah. come on down to Willie Jules for some trivia. Uh, how about a prediction instead right now? Top 10 of the NFL draft. Mm-hmm. The surprise that will have everybody buzzing. You ready that for this one? in mind. Yeah, I, I've had one in mind for a while. I haven't really spoken in the universe because I don't think it's going to happen. But if you want one big surprise, and this could be the biggest of all surprises here, Brent, and, and, I, and I ponder this a lot, and it comes down to once again the 49ers, because I've asked myself, why would there be a narrative of why Kyle Shanahan hasn't made up his mind yet, right? We share the same principles, right? We think they know who they're going to take, right? I mean, that's where we're at, Brent, correct? Yes, Here's what the crazy thing is going to happen. What happens is if the reason why San Fran hasn't made up their mind yet is because there's rumblings that the New York Jets actually take Justin Fields at number two. And Trey uh, and uh, Zach Wilson could fall to San Fran at number three. And if it's going to be Zach Wilson, if it's going to be Trey Lance or Mac Jones, they're having a hard time you know, thinking about who they're going to take in that position. So that, to me, is maybe the only reason why San Fran doesn't have their mind made up yet. Because maybe there's a rumor, maybe it's the truth, that Justin Fields might actually go number two to the New York Jets. Well, there you go. That's not bad. You know, I've thought about that, scenario. Everybody's so locked in on Zach Wilson to the Jets. And, you know, now that would shed new light on all of this. Right. Yes. Uh, all of these talks, because, again, you and I, we believe uh, they already know where they're going. Forget about the Mitch Mack or Trey Lance. They know which one it is. But if they do feel like Zach Wilson, 
and it might be available. That would be a stunner at this moment. That would be a stunner. Uh, It wouldn't have been three months ago, but it now would be uh, because it's like a foregone conclusion. Zach Wilson's going to the Jets. That's the way it feels. I'm going to give you mine because – and I don't know if everybody's – see, I think Carolina is really interesting here, but I don't know what they're going to do that would stun me. I think even if they took quarterback, I'm not sure I'm going to be that surprised if one fell to them. I actually would be stunned if Cincinnati goes anything but Penesul. Hmm. I think there was so much momentum for that. It was a locked-in thing. Heck, even the fan base is getting excited about an offensive lineman, mm-hmm. which how often does that happen yeah, when you yeah. have all these other kind of players out there? But they want the protection of Joe Burrow. How can you look at what happened last year, look at your offensive line and say, oh, let's go get him another weapon instead of protection? We had Sal Pal on last week, right? Talked protection of Trevor Lawrence. I don't understand when you could have potentially one of, like, the best guy out in a decade with Pede Sewell that you can't, you wouldn't go there with that pick if you're Cincinnati. I understand the Jamar Chase uh, storyline. I get it. Uh, I would even understand the Kyle Pitts storyline if Atlanta goes quarterback and Pitts is still available. But the bottom line is, if you have this good of a talent, as expected as he is to be with Penny Sewell, and you have a quarterback that had a catastrophic leg injury last year because you couldn't protect him, mm-hmm. I would be stunned at this moment if I see it. I've seen it on mock drafts, and I just tell myself every time, if Cincinnati does not take Penny Sewell, I will be absolutely stunned, even given the, the pass catchers that are out there. What about if they take Rashawn Slater instead from Northwestern? Like, I mean, obviously, I, we, we agree where Penny Sewell's the top offensive tackle, but if they take Rashawn Slater over Penny Sewell, would you still be like, would that still count as the uh, thing? Yeah, yeah, I would be stunned, but at least they went with a guy that okay. they thought, and this guy really is climbing boards like a lot. He you is, know, yeah. Based on the early mock him. projections. Yeah. Uh, and now, here's what I would ask, Austin. If that happens on Friday, and we're talking about I doubt we'll be talking about Cincinnati too much on Friday, but mm-hmm. if that does happen, then I would ask this question. I would ask, did the opt-out year for Sewell hurt him? Sure. Did, did they not trust that? Because that's a question we've brought up, mm-hmm. and I still wonder about Jamar Chase and Sewell and others. Micah Parsons, right? He was another one. Um, uh, Farley from Virginia Tech. I wonder about their stock a little bit. Yeah. Given the year, because, again, we have examples of guys like Marvin Wilson, of guys like Sean Wade, who dropped significantly because they did play the football season. Mm-hmm. Would some of these other players have dropped if they did play that football season? It's a fair question to ask. Uh, I doubt they would take anybody over Sewell. I would be surprised if it's anybody but Sewell in Cincinnati. I think right now that would be the stunner because then that would that could really change a lot of dynamics. Who else is going to go offensive line in the rest of that top ten? Did somebody trade up to get uh, Sewell or, or any of the linemen that trickle down? It will be a really fascinating point of the draft, uh, certainly outside. Uh, the third overall pick and San Francisco. We are live at Willie Jewel's Old School Barbecue. Might have some corn nuggets and some wings. Mm. Smoked wings. They're known for their wings. Just got them. Mm-mm-mm. Well, I'll eat. We take a break, and we'll come back talk a little more football at 5 when we come back on ESPN 690. Austin Lane. And I'm going to regurgitate it to you. I'm like a mother bird right now, and I'm spewing it in your mouth. Brent Martineau. You got doves flying and mother birds I'm, all week. I'm, I mean. I'm trying to baby bird you right now, man. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, this is why I tease stuff and don't get to it. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690.
Well, the whole process that in recruiting, you identify the best players and you go after them. Yeah. You know, everything <laughs> here is all about value. You know, it's it's the vertical, but it's also horizontal. You list your running backs in order, and then you know, in the for 30 years, that's all you did. You listed people vertically. Now you have to say, okay, horizontally, is this running back better than that defensive end at that pick? And that's basically it's all value. So it's just. Really, really intriguing. And uh, the way the personnel people work, I mean, I, I just have so much respect for what those guys do. I mean, what a tough world to sit in that video room for. I mean, they've been in there for a month. I want to call these kids all the time to develop relationships with them. And then our GM's like, don't call them too much because their agents will tell other people we're calling them. And, you know, so I'm just, just a whole different mindset. Well, a little more transparency from Urban Meyer, the Jaguars head coach, as he learns the process of the NFL <laughs> on the job, you know? I mean, I, I wonder if that gives some fans concern at all that he's this open to kind of like, it's a new process, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, like, kind of, I, I wonder, like, do you take that high level of a job without a little more, without a little more institutional knowledge? Well, that's the concern about the transition from the college to the NFL game, not just the draft. But some of those kind of subtleties that are different from the college game, that's why people throw up red flags. And that's why some people wonder if Urban Meyer, Austin, can really get it done in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of the things coming against Urban Meyer right now, right? And obviously there's going to be skeptics, as there should be. This is how that, the National Football League works. This is how it goes when you go from directly from college without earning your stripes, quote-unquote, in the NFL. So time will tell. The you know I think the the, the first steps to bring them was bring the coaching staff in here, and for the most part, I think he did a great job. There was obviously that misfire with that you know the the guy from Iowa, but that got taken care of. And now the next chance to make a good first impression is with the NFL draft. And it's so ironic because one would think, well, that's also the GM's job. But this draft, this draft in 2021, it will be directly tied to Urban Meyer. And every draft pick the Jaguars organization makes, it will be tied to Urban Meyer. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, he will be a big part of the reason why they take whoever they take. Uh, I almost get the sense, Austin, that uh, this is going to sound bad. I'm not saying he's – I'm trying to avoid saying he's playing dumb on this a little bit, but I feel like he might be playing a little bit more ignorant than he is <laughs> about it. You know, mm-hmm. Like, I think the guy knows what it's it, – Either that or he's such he's a quick learner, okay? So I think he while while some of those things, if you are question marks, red flags, you might be like, Well, gosh, what's it gonna be like? I mean, is he gonna be able to handle this thing? Is he gonna pick the right player? I think he has a pretty good idea of value versus need. I think he's a quick learner when he sits down with Trent Bulky and he understands the nature of the process. And he might have a question here or there. I think he under, I mean, listen, we we do it. I mean, fantasy football people do it. Like, we, we all kind of feel like we sure. know how to pick a draft anyway, don't we? No, without a doubt. And listen, Urban Meyer didn't win a raffle to become the Jacksonville Jaguars quarterback. All right? It wasn't like, oh, all of a sudden I'm the, court, I'm, I'm the, the, the coach now. Oh, all of a sudden I'm the coach of the team. No, like, that's not how it works. Like, he's been planning this for a long time. He's been planning this, and he's been doing his homework. He's been doing his due diligence. Okay, so a big part of any NFL team is the draft. That's where you build your team from, right? Yes, there's free agency and all this stuff, and there's trades, but it starts, the foundation starts with the draft. So to Urban Meyer to go into, you know, the the draft on Thursday and say, I don't know, like, I'm not ready. Come on, what are we talking about here? This guy's ready. 
He, he knows what he's doing. He's done the homework. Now, obviously, you got to push the right buttons still, but I refuse to believe Urban Meyer is going to enter Thursday night um, unequipped and unprepared to handle the task at hand. Thursday night's a big night here in Jacksonville, no doubt about it. Jags fans, you can win a chance to meet the pick courtesy of TIAA Bank. Just visit TIAABank.com slash meet the pick to register each day through draft night. No purchase required to enter a win for eligibility and other details. See the official rules at TIAABank.com slash meet the pick. A chance to meet, most likely, Trevor Lawrence. The countdown continues. Just a reminder, by the way, you can hear the 2021 NFL Draft and history made in Jacksonville right here on ESPN 690. Our draft coverage uh, will be played live courtesy of ESPN. You can hear all the picks while you're driving right here on ESPN 690. And don't forget our TV coverage now all day long on CBS 47 and Fox 30. Plus, we'll have the show Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 from 3 to 6 at the stadium on draft day. Really looking forward to it. Uh, we're getting down to... Just a couple of days to go. Not a lot of changes here in Jacksonville. The focus really on pick number 25. Let me ask you this, Austin. Do you think they have – like you're going to give me – when I do this uh, KJZ mock draft on Wednesday, you're going to have four selections on a piece of paper that you think I'm going to take. You're going to have four selections on a piece of paper you think I should take. Yes. Well, so actually, you, truth, truth be told, Brent, I'll probably only have like maybe two or three now since I know all the guys that were taken before that. Okay. So yeah. two or three. Yeah. So my question to you is, do you think the Jaguars have a really good idea out of, say, three players that they can get at 25 on Thursday night? Um... Yes. Well, the reason why I'm hesitant to ask that, because it, it all depends you know, who these guys are. Like, if it's three guys that can go before 25, well, then it could be a little, you know, it could be a little more sketchy. I think they have on their draft board right now, I think they actually have, I think they have four or five guys where depending how the draft shakes out, um, there's going to be a guy they're guaranteed. You know, you know what I'm saying? There's going to be a list of like five guys. Yeah. And if someone takes one of those guys, okay, then you cross the name out, cross the name out. And then when you get to pick number 25, there is going to be a guy in that slot still on the board where they're like, okay, well, this is the guy that we want, and it is what it is from there. Yeah, I think what was interesting talking to Trent Balky last week is I got the feeling that they had a really good idea what teams were going to do in front of them. And I don't yeah. think that's new, by the way. I, well, yeah. I, I'm not, I don't think that's new. I, I think a lot of teams think they do know. Of course, they think they right? know. Yeah. But, well, because they know how teams think, right? They have buddies in the league. They know what the team needs are in other spots. So when they do their mock draft internally and kind of figure out, okay, this looks like this guy could slide here or there, sure, there'll be a surprise or two. But I bet they have a they build that 25 pick right around where they think it will be. Now, you have to have contingency plans. What if X player slips down to, you know, 25 and we didn't expect him to be there? Would we go get him? Mm. I think they have all those things in place. But I got a feeling from talking to them last week, I got a feeling that they 
they have a pretty good idea of what's going to happen at 25, where they can go at 25. And therefore, if they know what's going to happen in the first round or think they have a comfortable feeling about it, well, then they kind of have a feeling of what's going to happen in 33, right? Yeah. Because, I mean, they're the first one on the clock on Friday. No, for sure. But at the same time, I mean, I can go case in point every single year. Miles Jack, Juwan Taylor. I don't think anybody in that organization of the Jacksonville Jaguars expected those guys to fall that much. I don't don't think they expected Josh Allen to be there. And, you know, and then the Raiders not take him. So you can say you have a good idea of what teams are going to do, but it's never, ever going to pan out like that, especially with trades. So it's like I said, I think there's, there's four or five guys that they have a good, solid idea that if they fall to 25, we're taking that dude. And hopefully when it's all said and done, which it should be, when the, when the smoke settles and you're at number 25, pending that you don't trade back or trade up, that at least one of those guys on your board is still there, which it should be. Yeah, I I, I would sense that too. I agree. I, I would love – you just never know, right? Uh, maybe And maybe I think Peter King, I don't know if he's going to be in the room with him, but I think he's doing a little bit of behind the scenes. It'll be interesting to see that part of it. <laughs> we know what number one is, yeah. so that's easy. Hey, I don't think we need Peter King to help us out with that. No. But if if it's like one of these Mike Silver kind of behind the scenes of the draft, and they had this guy in mind, but this guy fell to him, but this guy was a red flag, you know, sometimes in these articles now, you get that. And uh, I think it would be very interesting to kind of see the way they were thinking um, at 25, and again, 25 and 33 go very much together for the Jags because there's only a few more picks after 25, and they're the first on the clock. They get to sleep on mm-hmm. Thursday night and wake up and know who they're going to take mm-hmm. all day Friday at 33. Mm-hmm. So uh, Jags will be a, an interesting talker, by the way, on Friday around the NFL since they, they jumpstart this thing, unless there's a trade made somewhere and they don't have that 33rd pick overall, or they spend all day Friday Shopping that pick, yeah, and then somebody jumps up and gets it. So uh, Friday, you know, we haven't really thought about Friday so much, but Friday will be very fascinating for the Jags. Obviously, they have forty-five and sixty-five too, but I think just the fact that they sit first at number thirty-three on the Friday, the second day of the draft, I think uh, could uh, evoke a, a lot of different scenarios for them um, coming up uh, here in the next few days. All right, let's take one more time out. We are live at Willie Jewel's Old School Barbecue. It's good. It's smoked wings down here. Got some corn nuggets. And we got trivia night here on Mondays. So uh, this place ready to go with trivia night at 630. And we're ready to go for one more segment here at Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Here on a Monday, welcome back. Coos Monday. Married now. Hey, is the ring on the finger, Austin? Ring on the finger confirmed. Did not lose it on a beach in Cancun. Didn't, uh, well, if he did, he's got a new one on. But, yes, the, the <laughs> ring is on the finger right now as we speak. All right. Very good. Uh, we'll be back. ESPN 690. What do you think this experience will be like Thursday night? Well, it's also an organizational, you know, it's a transformational draft for an organization. This is the most important draft that I, I you know, I don't know that, I kind of know the whole history of the Jaguars, but this is one of those very unique drafts. When you look at, if you look at the NFL, this is one of these historic opportunities for Jacksonville. Obviously, the number one pick, um, and we got to get, I keep challenging our staff, we have to get this right. There, there can't be, you know, there can't be a mess. And then you throw the additional challenge of COVID, the normal way of doing it, you go in and you, I want to get about a foot from this player's face and talk to him. You know, what are you made of? How are you going to handle this? What are your, 
you know, what are your habits? What are your, tell me about your family. And I want to know this. And, and you're now doing it on a iPad and, uh, you know, it's not, iPads aren't the same as in person. So there's, there's challenges here. And I, I'm, I'm very grateful. I surrounded myself with veteran people, veteran NFL people. That is Urban Meyer on the Adam Schefter podcast. He continues to say similar things about how important this draft is for the Jaguars, for himself, for changing the franchise. And there's no doubt about that. Brent Morneau back here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. We're live at Willie Jules Old School Barbecue here in Mirabella, St. Augustine. And uh, the place is filling up as we got trivia night coming up at 630. So you good trivia guy, Austin? Coos, Coos, I would think is a good trivia guy. Yeah, yeah, I'm not bad. Um, I will say this, though. Uh, I have a friend who lives at the beach. We go to trivia nights, and we've never lost before, but he's in Australia now. But um, in terms of, you know, like, he, he's up there with, like, Stuart Weber in terms of, like, you know, IQ, let's just say. Dude's a genius. So, yeah, he uh, absolutely dominates trivia, and every once in a while I'll go with him and just answer a sports question and don't feel completely useless. I, uh, Listen, no problem saying Stuart Weber's smart, but let's hold the phone on genius, okay? Okay. Well, he's a smart <laughs> dude, man. You get the SCT score like that, whatever you got, it's pretty impressive. I'm the I'm the opposite. I crumble under pressure, and I don't answer anything. <laughs> I just drink in the corner. I just drink, and I'm there for moral support. I like that. Nothing wrong with that, Coos. By the way, you did, did Coos share with you? Uh, something you'd be very proud of. So he shuts his phone off all week, mm-hmm. I believe, on the honeymoon. Yeah. And he turned it on, what, yesterday, Coos? Well, so here's what happened. Is I didn't have it off, but when we landed in Cancun, our company went, hey, we don't have you know business in, in Mexico. So they, they froze my um, they froze my email so <laughs> oh. that I couldn't get any emails or access it. Well, that's kind of convenient, it was. Though, too. I, I was I mean, planning to not look it. anyway, yeah, but, you yeah. know, the, the, if it was an option, yeah. I probably would have checked. And so it went away. And then when we landed, because our, our flight landed in Raleigh before we came to Jacksonville, we land in Raleigh, I turned my phone on, and it connects. Nonstop. And my, my Guess email. Guess the number. Oh, wait, don't yeah. tell the number. Guess the number, Austin. Of work emails? Yeah. Oh, oh just of emails. Oh, of emails. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, how many? Which sounds like a week? You? I don't know. Like a hundred something? <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. I'm trying to pull up my email. 1,286. <laughs> yeah. No way. I've made it through about a thousand of them today. What do you mean you made it? Just forget it, man. It, it, it wasn't meant to <laughs> well, be. Well, so Brent texts me. He goes, hey, I'm going to Willie Jules. Right you to know. the trash can they I, go. He goes, I'm going to Willie Jules tomorrow. And I said, well, if you send me the logo, can you send it again? Because there's no way I'm going to find it in there's all those emails. no way. Yeah. Who's a thousand and I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if you're supposed to start with the newest ones or the oldest ones first, you know? Don't start. Just end it. <laughs> I'd start with the start. newest ones. Just yeah. end it. That's what I ended up doing. I'd start That's with the newest that's gross, Just end man. It. I love so you could take those twelve hundred this is what's cool this is the difference between you and me, Austin. Yeah. You could take those twelve hundred emails Coos hasn't checked in a week. Yeah. And you could just be like delete. Yeah. I mean listen, it's, it's, <laughs> Yeah, it's, I couldn't do that. Okay, I couldn't well, either. I don't know. If somebody died, I probably would have got a phone call, not an email. Right, so we're but, all good. But if it's something with work and it's like a time sensitive thing that they emailed me about then call me. If it's that important, just give me a call. All right, hey, let's end the show with this. How about this? I just saw this on Twitter. The demand for rare cards, especially basketball right now, is just like the demand for fine art, uh, according to the Action Network. An updated list of the most expensive sports trading card sales. LeBron James had a 2003-04 rookie card sell for $5.2 million. Mickey Mantle, 52 tops, $5.2 million. Luka Doncic, $4.6 million. 
You believe the basketball cards are that expensive? I'm surprised. I'm honestly surprised at the Luca one just because he's still so young. You know, like LeBron, I get it, but Luca's pretty. I guess it's, it's just the hype factor, though. Yeah. Just, no. just to put it in perspective, but guys, Mike Trout, 2009 card, 3.9 million. But the one that everybody's always talked about, you know, for as long as anybody's collected cards, is Honus Wagner. Well, that was 3.1 million. Yeah. All these guys have eclipsed that total when it comes to card training. Trading. Well, I'll tell you right now, everybody, if you go on eBay, uh, you can get five Austin Lane Senior Bowl cards right now for 345 Or buy it. I'm sorry. Buy it now for 345 or put a, put a bid in. It's on eBay right now. Check it out, everybody. Well, when Austin fights Jake Paul, Who's that card will be this? worth $6.2 million. I wonder if my grandma's selling these or something. Get these out of the house. I'll do some spring cleaning. Uh, you got some old Jacksonville Suns cards that I'm on. Nice. Try to sell those. Sell. See how much we can get. <laughs> Buy five, get one free, give me a <laughs> or just, Or just have, hey. how about scan them and turn them into an NFT and then try ah, to sell them. Well, hey, there, there's going to be a you shock go. your mock NFT for the song. Oh, you might as well. Yeah. 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 It's either that or buy five. Buy five Austin cards, get one of Brent free. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got to run. Uh, that'll do it for a Monday. Countdown continues to draft back at it tomorrow at 3. We'll see you on TV tonight as well, CBS 47 and Fox 30. We're live from Willie Jewel's Old School Barbecue. Thanks to everybody for having us out here. Come on down and visit here in St. Augustine. Have a good night. We'll be back on ESPN 690 tomorrow. If your restaurant has slow bathroom drains and grease blockages, call Superior Plumbing and Pipelining. Superior Plumbing and Pipelining's high-pressure sewer jetting and camera inspection of the drains will assure your peace of mind at your restaurant. Request a free estimate at superiorplumbingjacks.com.